like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Everybody, welcome to the Lowdown Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and return to the podcast is Bill Fitnell. Bill, welcome back to the show. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. And um, we're continuing the, um, for those who don't know, the format of the podcast is that kind of like Quantum Leap style look at significant wrestling events in my lifetime. And today we're talking about the Finger Poke of Doom. That took, place, <laughs> that took place on January the 4th, 1999, on WW Monday Night Nitro. And a lot of people think this is the turning point of the Monday Night Wars between WWE and WWF. I don't strictly think that's true, but it probably did kind of push WWE towards a slippery show, which would be their company denies two years later. I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yes. Um, so the story going into this is that um, pretty much in the convoluted story of the NWO, uh, they pretty much split uh, into the Wolfpack and the NWO Hollywood. Hollywood was led by Hulk Hogan and Wolfpack was led by Kevin Nash. And right. the whole point of that was is that they kind of saw the light and realized that Hulk was in it for themselves, which made me wonder what the fuck took them so long. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, but um, going by that, we fast forward now to Starcade 98. Um, Goldberg was the world uh, champion at the time, um, faced Karen Nash. Nash won thanks to some help from Scott Hall, who was with Hollywood, uh, Andrew Aubrey Hollywood at the time, thanks to the world's loudest cattle prod. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nash Every- was. Everybody interfered in that match. <laughs> yeah, it's oh it, God, I I've not seen in ages, but I think he had Bam Bam Bigelow winning in for some reason. Bam Bam or, Bigelow was out. I, I believe Disco Inferno was actually out. Yeah, it made no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why a lot of people really interfered in this match. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so everybody was Nash wins and was not aware of what happened until the day after. And uh, and the next day he was like, well, well, if we really bad what happened, so we'll have a wee match the next week. Um, that was the plan. Obviously, it falls apart extremely quickly on oh, the day. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, it all kind of starts kind of about during Nitro. Um, Ric Flair become WCW president. Um, right. He'd be, he'd, it, that, he beat Bischoff, and it was... It, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. It was right. so weird because they had a pay-per-view match at Starcade, Bischoff and Flair, for yeah. the... Uh, president of WCW, commissioner of WCW, some uh, some uh, position of authority. They have the match on pay-per-view. Bischoff wins. They have a rematch on Nitro the next night, and Bischoff loses. And WCW was just always doing stuff like this. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They do that all the time. And I know TNA does something like that now, because I know... Yes. <laughs> I'm not seeing, I, watched, I watched TNA in a while, but I watched it a lot during Bobby Roode's title reign when he was there. And he would just... One thing that bugged me about Bobby Roode's title reign, just going to massive aside here, is that he was just he was just cheat like fuck during the pay-per-view matches. And then, so obviously, the TNA authority would get pissed off and go, right, okay, you're having a wee match. 
and then beat them anyway. It's just like I get what I do trying to like build a TV show, but I don't think Dobby Dobby really need to do that at the time. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's just. Yeah. And if you look at the Starcade card too, this makes even less sense because it was such a crap Starcade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was um, a terrible show. You had, I, I believe, Jerry Flynn was on the card. Yeah, I mean, um, unfortunately, I'm not watching that many Starcades. I mean, <laughs> I have to watch '97 because I'm, I'm I'm going to be a guest on another podcast, right? Uh, so I need to watch that. And I remember watching '99, mm-hmm. based on 2000. We never actually watched '98. Oh, uh, it, it, it's a terrible show. It's so okay. stupid. <laughs> yeah, something to look forward to, then. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, pretty much the reason that the the plan match falls apart is Phantom Miss Elizabeth, uh, who was with NW <laughs> Hollywood. And um, this, this is so, I still, this, I, it's, it's been 15 years, and I still can't believe this happened. <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. Uh, pretty much, um, I know the, the original plan was that Miss Elizabeth was supposed to accuse Goldberg of raping her. Obviously, mm-hmm. Andy Goldberg was like, "No fucking way." <laughs> um, so um, he, um, so it changes to aggravated stalking, in which um, <laughs> even now it still seems so ridiculous. Um, anyways, and and the, the cops don't tell him this right away. He, no, they he's, don't. He's got to slowly pry this out of the cops over the course of three hours. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Is um, so I'm trying to find where it is. Because I found the overview, but I'm trying to find what it is. Yeah, pretty much, it's, um, pretty much, it's just, pretty much just like, Goldberg just gets arrested. Uh, <laughs> you see that, and he goes right. on about this rant, and he goes, all this stuff. Now, no choice didn't mention it, but he goes downtown. Now, he goes to the police. Now, I don't know if you're, I've never been to Atlanta, so I'm not, I'm not sure you have, but pretty much he goes I have to, never been to Atlanta. Right, <laughs> no. pretty much, he goes to the police, the nearest police station with the CNN Center. Um, which is half a mile away from the stadium. Right. Um, that's going to be significant later on. Um, so obviously he's in there, and Hogan shows up and starts like calling Goldberg guilty and all that stuff. And well, then, Hogan had been running for president before yes. this. Hogan had been off of TV for a few months. He was probably filming a movie. Yeah. Uh, but the big angle that kept him away was they said, oh, he's running for president. And he went on, I think, Jay Leno's show and talked about it. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense because they fought at a pay-per-view, but I'm still pretty sure it happened. And and so this is – and I think one of the reasons why this angle has such a terrible reputation, and it, it's hilarious now, is it's such a confluence of stupid things. Yeah. It's just – some angles, it's like one or two things go wrong. This is – Every stupid thing coming together on one terrible, terrible night. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, um, <laughs> we'll probably a little bit in the nitro itself. Uh, we go to where goes the station where Liz is being interviewed, and um, I assume the police were okay with cameras being there. But anyway, um, right? Liz is like saying, "Oh, five reports already, and all this stuff," and. Um, but pretty soon, the police, I want to say, I want to say poke holes. Don't we poke holes? They can always drive lorries through these holes. I don't know what Elizabeth's story is. She, keep, <laughs> she keeps on changing the story. She keeps on saying, you know, it wasn't a ruse. It was that, it was like a coat machine, not the water cooler. It was like, well, that's bullshit. Um, right. But eventually, it gets to the point where the police go, right, you're lying, aren't you? And she goes, oh, no, I got the wrong wrestler. Um, <laughs> so... It was the other giant bald killing machine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, while this is happening, um, 
you have Kevin Nash come out with Minjin on the aisle, um, and he he's like saying, "Oh, this is all bullshit with Elizabeth," um, <laughs> but I want to face Hogan. Uh, Flair yeah. comes out because technically, whilst he, Hogan still won the present, he is technically still contracted, and that was, right. Flair comes out and says, "Well, he's still contracted, so yeah, we have the match." Right. A <laughs> um, bit later on, um, Hogan comes out. Um, he doesn't do the aisle, just the ring instead, and gives. He, he, he figured he owes the fans a retirement match. And right. I, 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 I did burst out laughing and think myself, you have never done a retirement match. Why are you doing one now? <laughs> he, Hogan's got about 30 matches behind him by this point that should reasonably have been retirement matches. Yes. Um, I don't think he's seen his last, proper, his last match, which was uh, Bound for Glory against Sting, which was just a bloody mess. Okay. Can I say, though, I know the match you're talking about, and I love the ending of that match. Oh, I like the ending of it. Because it, it's, it's so great, because he's, he, he's total good guy fire suddenly right at the end, and it put a big smile on my face. I do yeah. remember that match. <laughs> it, I think considering that, you know, Hogan is very limited physically in the wing, and I did feel sorry for Sting at this point, because I think that was the same year they had to do fucking Jeff Hardy high up his tits. <laughs> um, yeah, I did feel sorry for him. And then people wonder why he left. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so pretty much... Um, Hogan wants a retirement match. <laughs> yeah, a retirement match. Uh, now, just after this, now, I thought this was just before the match. We get an incident of old Tony Schiavone. Um, mm. Now, at this time, WWF were kind of doing most mostly... I don't know if I don't know if it was like 50-50 or something like that, but they were like... Do recorders like three or four? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they would. Uh, they would record two shows on a given Monday. Yeah, it's typically what they would do. They would either do that, or sometimes I believe they would do the the SmackDown taping schedule, where they tape a show on a Tuesday, yeah. which I think is what happened here. Yeah. This happened, by the way. I'm looking at a recap of the show right after uh, right after Hogan's interview. Yeah, on his says, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had it in my head. It was just before that show match itself. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, because and in terms of WWE now, I know they still take us, obviously, when it comes to the UK, that's taped. They take a quiz mm-hmm. show before they go Australia and all that stuff. So I know right. they still do it, but not as much as they did then. Right. Um, so Shabana says that, you know, Rick Foley used to wrestle in Cactus Jazz, going to win the world title. Um, then people said that's going to put a lot of uh, in their seats. Um, <laughs> I get what. Do you think what Bishop was doing was. was I never really got where he did it because. I see what I've, I've always thought it was like, like okay, don't watch this because it's being taped. So, hit, no, spoiler alert, watch us because we're live and you won't know what's happening. Was that his idea? I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I've read Bischoff's book and I don't even think he explains this very well. No. His explanation is kind of is kind of going to be people. It was just people were upset about it. We used to do it all the time, which is true. They used to do it. And it there was another instance where uh, – Raw had been building up, I remember this one specifically, a match, a confrontation between Stone Cold and The Undertaker. And it had been taped in advance, and Shivani kept saying their main event's going to go 30 seconds, their main event's going to go 30 seconds. And this had been in the past year. So this wasn't as unprecedented as people make it out to be. And of course, there's Bischoff reading the results of shows on the early Nitros with the classic Bob Holly is he is he still around line uh, so there was I think that this was a case where the problem w- with it was it was the wrong target because 
Everybody, everybody liked Mick Foley. Yes. And, uh, and this is a great culmination of a babyface story. So, no, people are not going to look at that and go, huh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, I mean, instead of that, I mean, that's the only one I remember. I also remember you had, had the same thing where you got Rick Rude at technically on two shows at the same time. Right, right, right. Uh, which happened just after the Montreal mm-hmm. job. There, uh, there, there's one happening that happens later in this year where they're about to reveal the higher power behind the um, the, 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 the 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 oh the really stupid thing the ministry. Yes. <laughs> and and Bischoff or Shivani or somebody says uh, if you're turned tuned in to see who the uh, higher power is the initials are VM. <laughs> and the, and the amazing thing about that one was it wasn't taped. The thing was that just Bischoff just knew they didn't have anybody else. Yeah. And it ended up being right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I remember that at the time. I was like, well, that's fucking stupid. But <laughs> um, well, it, it kind of makes a bit more sense then. Um, so, uh, so obviously, after Liz, we'll go back to the police station. Obviously, Liz is like going, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, you know, he's all lying. So, Goldberg gets released from custody as he goes to break. So, they've got roughly 20 minutes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty much, he could have walked to the stadium. He could have walked to the stadium, <laughs> and he would have got there in time. It's like half a mile away. I don't, I don't know. Here's why I don't think Goldberg. Have you, you've seen Goldberg walk at this point? Yes. Goldberg cannot just walk to the arena. Goldberg has to gather an entire security force <laughs> yes. in order to walk to the ring. He has to stand outside of the arena and wait for all of his pyro to go off. Yes. So, yeah, I think I, that's my theory. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. He's, uh, he's walking on the streets by himself. By the way, why did Goldberg need an entire security detail? <laughs> I never got that. I really didn't. I know he did it. I know he did it. He did it when he was in WWE. I was like, why did he do this? <laughs> Here's this guy whose entire shtick is that he's a brutal, murdering, limb tearing off machine. But let's flank him by fifty security guards. Yeah, that feels very, very funny. Because obviously they. In the same end as you know, it would be like the WCW head of security, knock on the door, and then Goldberg <laughs> come out. Doug uh, Dillinger. <laughs> that was it. And, and you'll, be, you'll, see, you'll see him, and then he would come the cops, and then the cops would disappear, he goes with the whole pyro thing, and then he goes down, <laughs> and the cops would suddenly reappear. Um, <laughs> it's just so weird. Um, so, yeah, so um, get to the, after we get to the match, we have Michael Buffers, the ring announcer. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. I forgot how much he fucking drones on and on and on. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, this, this is about this is about a month before the infamous uh, reigning United States heavyweight champion Brett Hitman Clark debacle. Oh, okay, and I have heard about that. The, the one I remember most is when he. Um, I think it was his last ever WWE appearance. Mm-hmm. Now uh, Shawn Michaels becomes a heartbreak kid, and you spend hear, hear Shawn Michaels, but you don't. <laughs> That's just weird. No, he's um, just a wrestler who wrestles by the name the Heartbreak Kid. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds um, like a romantic cowboy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Hogan is the challenge. So he comes out first. He was Scott Steiner, who was leading the NWO Honda at that time, uh, when Hogan was away. Uh, Bubba says that Hogan has taken time out of his busy schedule. I'm like, uh, what schedule? Okay. Um, and obviously, he keeps a lot of shit, a lot of praise, and Hogan's kept fucking usual. Um <laughs> And then uh, Nash comes out, and Buffer says something. I didn't try to get what he said. He says something like, Nash's accomplishments make him a citizen of the world. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? 
Well, you and I don't have those kinds of accomplishments. So we are we're unfortunately undocumented immigrants of the world. Yes, we're true. So, we're, 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 we're like plebs. Immigration, <laughs> immigration services are going to round us up, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, after, um, so pretty much with Nash's entrance, he, there's, there's a shitload of pyro just everywhere. And mm-hmm. I, I remember the dog show he would just like blow like millions of dollars on pyro. Everybody. Super Kalo got pyro re- regularly. Yeah. That's one thing that I always remember. Everybody got pyro in WCW. Yeah. Oh, it beats me. Um, uh, I'm sure you've been a guest in the One on Maneuver podcast, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's the one I'm going to be the guest on. But anyway, um, I know they were talking about with Nitros, they used to have fireworks to, to in- initiate the second hour of the show. But, <laughs> yep. But it's they were doing to a ma- yeah, but they were doing doing bashes as well, which would make no sense. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, uh, so they did it. By the way, just for the record, they did it once. I during Chris Jericho's uh, Dean Malenko knows a thousand holds. I know a thousand four holds. If you want to, if you've never seen WCW cut to second hour, find that promo where Jericho's got the big long list of holds, the arm drag, the arm bar. Yeah. If you watch that. Right in the middle of it, they cut to the second hour. So if you've never seen this, then there's a oh, pretty famous promo with it in it. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing it, but I think it got cut, they cut that bit out, so I didn't realize that. Um, so anyway, so Nash um, points to the entrance, and Scott Hall comes out, <laughs> and and I'm assuming to myself everything's all forgiven between them because Nash was pissing him like an hour ago. Um, <laughs> Well, um, I don't know if you've been listening to my podcast, but one of the podcasts I, one of the podcasts I mentioned how Wester seems to be the most forgivable people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, Pist and Scott Hall go pretty well together around this period. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. It, here's one thing I'm just waiting really before we call it. Do you think that with Hall coming out with Nash, do you think that could have been a clue as to what was about to happen? I honestly don't know. The The Hall and Nash relationship was so iffy. They built it up as a feud. And, and again, I want I think that a big reason why it was so – the booking of it was so confused was because they were constantly contend, contending with Hall's alcohol abuse. Yeah. And it was one of those times where – I could never tell in any given TV show if he was acting drunk or if he was supposed to be drunk or if he was actually drunk and who even knows from any given week. So it could it could have been a hint towards something because Hall and Nash were feuding as recently as I believe they had a match at Halloween Havoc, yeah. which obviously would have been October. Let me check real quick. And uh, they had a match that ended with Nash walking out. What? He uh, he gave him uh, gave him the jackknife power bomb. Said something like, uh, "I think I'll have a double." Gave him another jackknife power bomb, and then did it again. And then Nash just walked out. Yeah, that was uh, Halloween Havoc. So fairly recently, before that, they had had they had built an angle around them. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I I honestly don't know. Uh, but again, wrestlers are forgiving people. They're enemies one week and best buddies the next. And who even knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, then Buffett like mentions, oh, 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 by the way, you know, Scott Hall's with him kind of thing. Um, <laughs> while this happened, Hogan and Steiner having to go some random woman just standing by the barrier. I was like, who the fuck is that woman? 
Um, but anyway, to get in the ring, uh, bell rings, and this is match is technically longer than I remember it because um, when there's only two moves in the match, um, Nash starts by like mockingly doing the whole Hulk Hogan rest yeah. open rips thing. the shirt. Yep. Yeah. Um, walk around for a while, and then Nash pushes Hogan into the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, Hogan kind of just looks around for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then it goes to punch Nash, but he stops halfway through. There's his finger, pokes him pretty much the top left of Nash's chest. Mm-hmm. Um, Nash goes on like he's been shot. Um, the referee's like, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> um, and Hogan covers Nash. And the thing that gets me is that Hogan still hooks the leg. I'm like, this is all fake. Why are you doing that? <laughs> oh, he needs that leverage. Yeah. <laughs> um, gets the one, two, three, and everyone starts celebrating. Some of the fans start celebrating because you see them in the background. Like, oh, right. So they're all like wearing black and white. So I assume they're the Hogan fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Shivana's like, you know, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, you hear someone say this thing, and I assume that's Heenan. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, because um, I, I knew, I do know that occasionally the commentators wouldn't know what was going on, and I assume that to promote like realistic right. uh, reactions. Right, which um, again is the is the like the Heenan bash at the beach. Hulk Hogan's here. Whose side is he on? Yeah. Which, on one hand, people want to say, oh, he spoiled it. But on the other hand, Heenan hated Hogan. Heenan's well, <laughs> entire raison d'etre on the commentary was that he hated Hogan. Yeah, and also, <laughs> you think about it, it kind of... Uh, you talk about the heel turn, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, uh, it, it, it made sense, because it was three and two. He turns up, it's like, oh, hang on. You know, it's simple logic. Um, uh-huh. And one thing I like about that is that even though Hogan was the he- became the heel, Heenan mm-hmm. still hate him. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, because I, th- I think I think he didn't mention in his book that he I think though he wanted to like start supporting Hogan. I was like going, I've hated him for the last like ten years. Exactly. So why, why do I want to start doing it now? Every time Heenan was on commentary, he would talk about how Hogan was a scumbag. He was out for himself. So, yeah. as a character, Bobby Heenan has to feel pretty vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while while this um, while this was celebrate, um, has Nash hands the belt to Hogan. Goldberg conveniently arrives outside the arena in this <laughs> in the small ass Walmart police car. Um, he gets away to the wing, and I didn't I didn't realize until he started speaking that there was a third commentator because I just heard someone heard this third voice. I like, I think Bischoff was on commentary. Yeah, I think be- Siobhan, I think Flair put Bischoff on commentary during this show. Yeah, because that's what I read. Because because um, <laughs> you don't hear him at all up at this up until this point. No, and so I had to look it up, and according to uh, Liza Bisco was commenting on Nitro as well. I'm like, that doesn't sound like him. Uh, no, no, it would it would have been for the last hour. It would have been Shivani and Heenan. Yeah. And what I remember was uh, Flair put Bischoff on commentary, and the whole shtick with Flair and Bischoff, which I'll probably get to in a minute, is that Flair would make Bischoff do these little demeaning tasks. One week he had him handing out towels in a restroom. Yeah. And uh, just to make him look like an idiot, you know, instead of doing things like trying to thwart the NWO. Yeah. <laughs> and Cause, and cause so and so yeah, Bischoff was on uh, was on commentary and was basically doing his most miserable man in the world thing. Yeah. And then all this happens, and so yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, pretty much. Uh, Bischoff starts going mental, going, "He's a criminal. He's got a record." I'm like, "Did you not see mm. what happened the last hour?" I'm pretty sure he's fine. <laughs> Um, on, the, on the show you run, <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
so Goldberg gets to the ring. He super kicks Steiner. Uh, does I know it's a slam, but the way he does it, they like, kind of like tucks the head in it and kind of flips him over. Um, right. I don't know what the freak call is. Um, then kicks Nash. Hogan right. does probably the worst belt shots I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's more like he's whipping him and then just kind of pushing the belt onto his back. Which, from Hogan, that's saying something because that's, Hogan had been doing that for years and he yeah. never learned how to do it. Yeah, it's not that hard. Right. Um, so anyway, um, starts pushing Goldberg, uh, tries to Irish wish him, but it's reversed, and Goldberg hits a horrible-looking spear. Mm-hmm. It just looks so bad. Um, mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, Lex Luger just appears out of nowhere. Cause yeah. I saw someone slide in, but didn't really use Luger until it cuts to him actually standing up. We we should mention, by the way, that the Wolfpack uh, Hollywood split, if you had never seen it, the Wolfpack was Nash, Luger, Sting, and Conan, if right. you've never seen it. So Luger, up to this point, because the Wolfpack were the good guys, yeah. uh, Luger up to this point had been a good guy, which is, yeah, kind of important for what happens next, because, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, Goldberg goes for the jackhammer on Hogan, but Luger starts attacking Goldberg. Um, at this point, everyone else starts rushing in and starts attacking Goldberg, and then Luger applies a really the torture whack, which I hate as a finishing maneuver. <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> it, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it was a, yeah, it, it doesn't look very convincing no. when you're a grown up, but. Man, when I was a kid, it, it was it's one of those great can he get this guy up type moves. That's part yeah. of the appeal of it. And so he would put guys like the giant in it and you'd go, Oh, yeah. that's cool. So it had that kind of effect where it had heat behind it. People were into it. People popped huge for it. But when you think about it for longer than five seconds <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um at this point both Bagwell and Miss Elizabeth White and um uh, sorry, I forgot to mention earlier that um in the rush to get him from the like the half a mile from the police station to the stadium. Um, Goldberg still had his handcuffs on. Um, <laughs> I completely he, forgot that. Yeah, because I did. I, I didn't realize it until you see him in the torture rack, and I'm like, why does he have handcuffs? Oh, they must have forgot. Oh my god, he does. Yeah. Um, uh, that turns out to be a bad idea because everybody go, oh, we got handcuffs, and so they handcuff him to the bottom rope, and then. Uh, Paul hits him with a catapult, which is still really loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this time, Bischoff is pretty much losing his shit over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to shut the fuck up. It was like, <laughs> oh my god, shut up. Um, they then whip open Goldsberg's shirt. Um, Hogan does the customary, you know, NWO in the back. And then they bizarrely decide to paint, pretty much like spray the back of Goldberg's head. head. Uh, I don't think Goldberg took that very well. Nope. Um, he then says, you know, what a way to start the year. I'm like, yeah, you can fucking say that. Like, uh, oh my God. And then um, the show ends with Hogan spraying NWO on the belt in red and all celebrating. Everybody and- parties, all the bad guys have a good time. And Miss Elizabeth reveals that Buff Bagwell was the one who was stalking him because that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen, but that's my <laughs> Yes. I mean, I I have to admit, I I I quite like Buff Bagwell when I was younger. Now, at the time, now when I'm older, it's like, how the fuck is I like that guy? <laughs> right. Oh, God. You, know, you, get, you get things like, you know, you, you love something as a kid. And then when you draw, you wonder, how the fuck did I like that? Seriously. 
Um, my th- my theory is that Bagwell was always associated with guys that I liked better than Bagwell. He no. was he was teamed up with Scott Steiner. He was teamed up with Scott Norton. He was teamed up with like Two Cold Scorpio. Yeah, people like that. So that's my theory about Buff Bagwell. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, um, that's the angle. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, this during this time you had like uh, you had always had the two split. Notice had the Latino World Order, which Eddie Guerrero was heading. Uh, right. And one thing I didn't realize is that you um, still technically still had three factions in WO the week after mm-hmm. because. Uh, pretty much, well, what they called like Hogan's part, what's called MW Elite. You have like, the B team, which is the members they didn't want, which included Kurt yeah. Henning, which I don't know. Yeah. Um, there was like Stevie Ray was in it, yeah. Vincent, uh, Horace, Horace Boulder. Uh, yeah, well, Hogan's Hogan's nephew, if you don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get going go to those guys, you know, fuck you all, but not Mr. <laughs> Perfect. Right. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. Henning was Henning was uh, pretty much winding down by this yeah. point. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> um, but I know the next week they 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 have pretty much destroyed the Latino World Order, and right. uh, and that's like Hogan's title win. And Hogan does lose it in uncensored in this bizarre double. T- it's the weirdest match I've ever seen because it's a first blood cage match. That does it end when the first Swiss uh, starts bleeding across Flair, and and it ends on a pinfall and there's this double turn. You thought the thing of Paul Boone was confusing. That match is even more confusing. Are you talking about the one? You're talking about the one at Uncensored. Yes, where you get it in a Oh cage. my God in heaven! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's a, I've never seen a title win that ends. Starts and ends with two fucked up moments. It's it's so weird, and and this is one of the reasons why I think I question when, when people whenever people say the finger poke of doom was what killed WCW. My question: I believe that the follow up to the finger poke of doom. I mean, you can't really say that one thing killed WCW. It was no. it was death by a thousand pricks. Really, yeah. you have so many literally pricks in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, so you have so many things going wrong, but the follow up. To this angle, where the NWO reunites as this big evil faction that is that is successfully completely basically ruined Sting, uh, ruined Conan, who 1998 was a breakout year for Conan. Yeah. Uh, every whole bunches of white people who were suddenly saying "Arriba la raza" in the South. Yeah. So I don't know either. That that's the 90s, man. Yeah. You had so you have this big monster bad guy group that gets together. They spend months and months tormenting Ric Flair. The entire build after this is that the NWO cannot stop beating the hell out of Ric Flair. There's a nitro, I remember, where they're out in a field. uh, And they have helicopters overhead and they have all this stuff going on. That spotlight's going down. And this whole thing is filming the NWO beating Ric Flair up for what felt like 20 minutes. And the whole show is built around, they get back to the arena, they they gloat about it. Flair comes back in, stumbles into the arena, wielding, I think, a hatchet. Yeah. <laughs> and then they beat him up again. And how does this angle end? Rick Flair good. turns heel. Yes. And Hogan becomes the face. And, and, and Tony Schiavone, on this pay-per-view, says the words, you know, guys, maybe the NWO isn't that bad. 
Oh my god, I can't believe this. And there we go, it's pretty much been. Pretty much. They pretty much just won in rough shot over WSW for the vast majority of the last three years. You it can't is, say that. It's just the most ridiculous thing. And that is one of the reasons why I've always said, no, the problem was not the finger poke of Doom. You have, in the finger poke of Doom, you have a good follow up angle built into that. Yeah. But it has to involve Bill Goldberg vanquishing all of them, completely yeah. destroying all of them, and burying the NWO dead a thousand miles below the earth. Yeah, because he, he's the one who's been screwed the most out of, out of mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It, so it, he, goes, he goes on to the next pay-per-view. He fights, he fights Hall. Right. Okay, they put him... But here's that what I don't sense. get. Yeah, that makes sense. He goes on to the pay-per-view. After that, he fights Bam Bam Bigelow, which... Kind of makes sense, but surely you put that off till after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless Bambo joined the NWO. I don't, I'm Bam not Bam, sure. He did he not join, Bam Bam did not join the NWO. So he was one of the few that never did. No, Bam Bam was, uh, he was, he was sort of this, uh, he was kind of a lone wolf heel character. He was playing this, WCW had about 50 of these guys who were doing simultaneous winning streak angles. Goldberg had one. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow had one. Wrath of all people had one. Yeah. Rath, uh, Brian Clark, Adam Baum had one. Yeah. So you had all these different angles at once. And so Bigelow had spent a lot of the end of 1998 sort of figuring, oh, I'm going to go after Goldberg, which is fine. I can see why you would do that. But surely this angle takes precedence. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, in terms of the whole, like, thinking about things, there's so many questions about it. I mean, first of all, I, I don't get why Nash would do something like this. Right. And in and in any defense I can make of the uh, finger poke of doom, that's the thing I can't rationalize. Yeah. Is why, if you're Kevin Nash, do you do that? And the best thing I can think of is uh, because the, the Wolfpack was already full of WCW guys. And I mean the WCW guys. Yeah. The WCW guys were always Sting, Luger, the Steiner brothers, and the Horsemen. They were always the consistent, these guys are definitively WCW. And, 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 DDP. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was like kind of like, like a condition of their, like, merger. So, I don't know. Maybe you do it to put it, put one over on Sting. I don't know, but but Sting, I don't even remember what Sting does after this. That's another amazing thing is that... What are the injuries at the time? I don't... Oh, I don't know. Apparently there were fans chanting for Sting. I didn't hear it. I know there was some booing, but I couldn't quite hear what the crowd was saying. Apparently there were chanting for Sting, but but apparently I got told he was injured. Let's see here. Yeah, he had been he'd been put out by Bret Hart after Halloween Havoc. He was probably he was probably hurt. Yeah, um, but he, but and by the time he got back, <laughs> the guys who had totally screwed him over were all good guys now. Yeah. And surely you build an angle around that, but guess not. They don't. <laughs> nope. No. Um, so um, just. Another thing is like more like to make the title look worthless, even though not to the level that Vin Russo does to you after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got it, worse. <laughs> yeah, it got a lot worse, and it's just it's all about at the end of it. It's all B 
become all about Hulk Hogan. It's the Hulk Hogan show yet again. Mm-hmm. And as opposed, it's kind of like we're getting with John Cena now. It's, I think after a while, and I don't think WWE have not figured that out yet. Is that because uh, that's my problem with Cena? Is that he's I've got nothing against the guy himself, no, uh, no. or his wrestling ability. It's just the character. It's just, after a while, he's like, for fuck's sake. Well, he has he, Cena's run on top has at this point been longer than Hogan's. Yes. Hogan really it or if it's not been that long, it's getting close. I believe Hogan won the title in what, nineteen eighty four? Yes. Also no, Iron Sheep. Uh, or was it eighty three? Eighty three, I think. Yeah, because okay. I'm trying to think now, because when he lost to Andre the Giant in that thing with Miz on Man, he'd been a type champion for about four years at that point. Right. And that was 87, 88, so yeah. That's when he saved January 23rd, 1984. So you go from there to King of the Ring, 1993, you're looking at about nine years. Yeah. Cena won his first belt at WrestleMania 21 in 2005. Yeah. And it's now 2014, so about nine years. <laughs> yeah, and he's still there. It's just seen and longer. he's still there. And he hasn't... E- I mean, Hogan at least had the decency to wear a fist helmet at one point. Yeah. Cena's just... He's the same guy. Yeah, just, he, has a, he has a towel and a internet cliche t-shirt now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean... Um, I think one thing that um, brought me, I mean, it wasn't until, uh, I don't know if you ever read The Best of Worst of War, uh, that Brandon Strawwhite, and I think he mentioned he, he compares Cena to like a, a video game boss, that like, you have to get past him, because there were bits where he was like, like Wybat was up it, and Cena gave permission for Wybat to like have a go at CM Punk and stuff like that. Right. You haven't beaten John Cena yet, and yeah, even when yeah. the guy has beaten John Cena. Yeah, yeah that's that it with CM Punk, they're like going, because it's like, oh, you didn't beat John Cena. I was going to say, he beat that fucker twice the year before. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, it's weird. But anyway, um, so we actually have uh, a question about this. It was by um, Joe Drilling. Um, it's yeah. pretty much, in your opinion, could the poke have been done without it looking turned into pretty much a clusterfuck? I, what do you, uh, I think that... Uh... Again, it has to end with Goldberg vanquishing everybody. It has to end with the NWO being definitively taken care of uh, permanently. I don't think there's – my big thing is I don't think there's any way to salvage Nash. I can't figure out a a way that this scenario ends that ends with Kevin – which is a really weird thing to say, but – the person who got screwed over most out of the finger poke of doom was Kevin Nash, the one who ended Goldberg's streak. So I think if you, if you build this up as an angle where uh, Goldberg is the unstoppable killing machine who finally definitively beats the NWO. And if you have this, I think if you have this facilitated by Ric Flair, Ric Flair at this point as commissioner of WCW president, whatever he, who even fucking knows, um, in this, you have him in this role, and he, in on television though, he's more interested in making Bischoff look like an idiot yeah. than he is in really rallying the troops. And the big thing about WCW is that there was never a point where it felt like they were rallying the troops. So you've got Flair who can do it. Flair just put the Horsemen back together. Yeah, 
that could be another angle at this. But they never seem to want to do anything with the horsemen. Uh, they never seem to want to do anything with Flair's commissioner, president, whatever. Um, and Goldberg just spent the next three months just killing off mooks until he went to film Universal Soldier. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> That just came to me. I was like, oh, I remember seeing that. Um, <laughs> I never. I remember the Megadeth concert when he came back because they played the stupid song fifty times a day. Yeah. Between that and Conan's rap, and uh, well, what and what was his name? The DJ they hired that summer. I can't DJ remember. Ran, DJ ran. Right, yeah. Nights, and, and if you want to know another reason why WCW was gone, they had a DJ, folks. <laughs> they had a DJ. <laughs> yes, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think personally, I mean, with the with the finger poke itself, um, I think, yeah, it, it, it goes back to you know, it, Goldberg has you know been massively screwed. Nash's <laughs> title well is. Is you know we're talking. I've talked about Hogan's ended and end. Talking about ended and two controversial moments. You could argue that with Nash because he won his under dubious circumstances with Scott Hall, and then he decided to go. You know what? Fuck it, Hogan. You can have the title and doesn't think of Poker Doom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's just. It's, I just. Do you see any logical reason why they would do something like this? You know. The term mm-hmm. what, creatively, the the and the I in terms of creatively, well, they wanted a surprise. Yeah, that was the that was the big thing. They wanted to surprise people and shock people. WCW was always trying to build towards the next big surprise. Right. So you had this finger poke of doom. So their theory about this, I assume, was, you know, how does any night? How does every nitro end? Let's see. How does every nitro end? Fans were out of time. We'll see you on Thunder. They are constantly building towards the next show. And so I figured that they they book something like this to make it shocking and then to have a shocking and then to have people tune in to get the justification after that. Okay. Uh, Which in a lot of ways, wrestling still does that. (laughs) That's one thing that hasn't changed. But the problem is that it's it's the same recapped NWO Rex every wrecks everybody angle that they'd been running for at this point, what, two and a half years? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, in the short term, the ratings did not take a hit. The ratings on Nitro the next week were just as high as they were the week before. Yeah. But the longer it goes on, the more it becomes clear that they don't have a follow-up in mind. And so, yeah, <laughs> that's when things really start to go bad. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I know, I know a lot of people are saying oh, this is like the worst thing they ever did, but I think, like I said before, it's, like, it's just little bits. I can go back to probably Star Trek 97, you know, mm-hmm. the way that right. that ends. And then, I'm not sure it was like over 98, I can't, I don't really remember. Then 98 was, you know, it started to go more and more downhill. 1998 had, had strange things. They had too much TV. They had five hours of tele- of live television a week. Yeah. You had three hours of Nitro, two hours of Thunder, which was just too much. Yeah. You had things going, things like uh, NWO Nightcap, where they actually ran a horrible uh, uh, Jay Leno parody that summer. You had the the ultimate freaking warrior in yeah. the fall. So yeah, lots of things 
went wrong in 1998. Yeah, God. Yeah, I mean, um, and Roddy Piper was still there. <laughs> yeah, so he was. It was, it was weird because um, um, for me, I mean, when I started watching WCW about two months after the Finger Poker Doom, so I kind of missed all the whole and set and all that stuff. Oh, that's a that's a terrible time to start. <laughs> yeah, it, it, don't know. Even though it's just it's like. Because when I when I left wrestling the first time, it was like '94, and all the people mm-hmm. who were wrestling then were now wrestling for WCW. So mm-hmm. it's more like a bit nostalgia. Oh, it's like I remember all these guys, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize how bad it was getting until the Bischoff, the Bischoff was still here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so uh, Bill, where can we find you on internet? Uh, you can find me at uh, Bill at the End on uh, on Twitter. I have a blog, Bill at the End of the World dot uh, WordPress dot com. I never update it. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Um, I talk wrestling. I am working my way through uh, Chikara Tr- King of Trios right now, right. and uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Yes, uh, and for me, uh, my blog is logdownwrestling.blogspot.co.uk. Um, at the time, I'm just about to do my. I haven't even started watching Night of Champions. I was like one match, uh, so <laughs> I'll get around to get, when I get around to that. I don't do it. just focus on more pay per view reviews. Um, I think that's just way worth it doing all that stuff. Um, and obviously, the podcast is northernwrestling.wordpress.com. And it's probably Twitter at Northern Wrestling, which is all one word. Um, so, Bill, thank you much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Robert. It's my okay. pleasure. And uh, join us next time. I don't know what we're doing yet, but it'll be sometime between the end of 1981, when I was born, to the present day. Um, so, until <laughs> then, thank you much for being listened, and goodbye.